We continue in our series out of the book of Genesis about the life of Abraham. We started a couple weeks ago. should lead us right up to our Thanksgiving season. We're in Genesis chapter 12 again today. Genesis chapter 12 for our text today as we think more about God's man, Abraham. There was a wise man who once said, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Or in other words, we decide for ourselves and according to our own tastes what is beautiful. And what is beautiful to us may not be beautiful to someone else. Among people, it always surprises me that God has made no two people that look exactly alike. Even identical twins usually have some feature that makes them a little different. And so with people, among that infinite variety, we find many people who are beautiful. Any wise husband knows that he's married to a beautiful woman, right? And if he's truly a wise man, he will hold on to that opinion as long as we both shall live. Now it's an extra bonus if someone else agrees that we're married to a beautiful woman. My father had three brothers, the four Olson brothers. And three of them, that's my father and his brother Barney and brother Norwald, were not what I would call housebroken. <laughs> that is, they weren't exactly known for their good manners or courteous speech. <laughs> And then the fourth brother, Uncle Olaf, he had good manners and was an expert in the social graces. And unlike his brother, Uncle Olaf had charm. I recall one day we were on vacation in Connecticut and we had with us that time my mother and father-in-law. And we were introducing my in-laws to the various members of my family. And we stopped at Uncle Olaf's cabin on the lake for a visit. And my father-in-law and I walked onto Uncle Olaf's porch. And I did the introductions. I said, Olaf, this is my father-in-law, Dwayne. And Dwayne, this is Uncle Olaf. And Olaf got up and shook his hand warmly and said, hello, nice to meet you. Then Olaf said to my father-in-law, your daughter, Cheryl, is a beautiful woman. And she is truly quite lovely. My father-in-law was beaming with pride, you know. For me, it's very nice to know that someone else thinks your wife is beautiful. It's okay. It's a confirmation that you made a good choice, all right? <laughs> and our text today is exactly the conclusion that will be made. Someone else will find beauty in another person's wife. And we'll see how that plays out. Now, last week, we got a look into God's call to Abraham. And we said God called to Abraham to leave home and go to Canaan and look over the land of Canaan, but not to settle down, not to own property, and not to have a home, but to wander aimlessly through the land and spend the rest of his life 
as a nomad living in tents, looking over Canaan's land with the knowledge that some future day this land would belong to his descendants. So Abraham left home, not knowing where he was going, but <clears throat> wherever he went, he pitched his tent, and he always built an altar and worshiped God. But in our text today, we see something come up for Abraham that is quite disturbing. So we're in Genesis chapter 12, and I begin reading at verse number 9. And Abraham journeyed, going still towards the south. And there was a famine in the land. Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. The land of Canaan, where Abraham was wandering about, uh, was said to be a land flowing with milk and honey. But like many places, the absence of rain causes drought. And when crops fail because of the lack of rain, drought leads to famine. Both food crops and grassland used for pasture fail so that it creates a crisis. It's not like us where we go to the store and get more food. All right, they didn't have such things. So Abraham finds himself with a very real problem. Not only does a lack of pasture leave his flocks as sheep in danger, but Abraham has a more pressing problem. You see, Abraham is what you and I would call, if we met him, he's a very nice fella. He has a magnetic personality. Uh, that is, he draws people to himself with kindness and generosity, and he has a following. Now, you might call them employees, but it was much more like family. Now, if you notice back in verse 5 what it says there that we looked at last week, Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go <coughs> into the land of Canaan. It seems he collected people. How many people did he collect to take with him? Well, in the next couple chapters, we'll see he had over 300 people traveling with him. So he must have been an inspiring man to have such a large group of people following him all over Canaan, just wandering around. It reminds me of that other inspiring fella who had so many people follow him. Jesus of Nazareth always had a crowd around him, too. So Abraham has mouths to feed, not just a handful, but several hundred. And he and his group of followers are running out of food. They will starve if they can't get some. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought God had promised Abraham, I will bless you. If God promised to bless Abraham, then why is he in the middle of a famine? If God promised to bless Abraham, why this crisis? My friends, having faith in God does not mean you will never face trouble. There are what the Bible calls temptations that are common to man. 
famines don't only bother people who don't believe in God. Believers and non-believers are going to face the same famine. Life troubles come to all. The Bible says man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. And the blessing of God doesn't insulate you from trouble. Abraham can't sit down and say, I'm just going to wait for God to bless me here. He said he would. He's got a lot of mouths to feed. Now, where there is water, there is food. There's two places that he could go that have water in the forms of large flowing rivers. One is the Ur of the Chaldees. Those two great rivers, that's where he came from. The Tigris and Euphrates River make for green grass and good crops. But Abraham left there on God's command. And he has no intention of ever returning there. God told him to leave there. So Egypt in the south has the Nile River, which makes for green grass and well-watered crops. So Abraham will go south into Egypt to avoid starvation. But as he travels south, approaching Egypt, he begins to have second thoughts about this place called Egypt. Let's see what he's thinking about. Verse number 11 of chapter 12. It came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said to Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look on. As he's walking along towards Egypt, he says to his wife, Sarah, you're a beautiful woman. Now, my friends, this man Abraham loves his wife. And he says to her, Sarah, my dear, you're a beautiful woman. Now, as we said earlier, every good, wise husband thinks his wife is beautiful. Right? So does Abraham. But he's about to enter Egypt. And in Egypt they have a culture. They have a certain way that they live. My friends, you and I live in a culture. Sometimes we call it cancel culture. Because other people say that we don't like the way you live. So we're going to cancel your culture. We'll tear down your statues and rewrite your history. Change your laws and force you to comply. And cancel your way of life. We will decide how you will live your life according to our standards. And we're forced to live in a culture that's hostile to our beliefs. So too, Abraham is about to enter Egypt where there is a culture hostile to Abraham's way of life. Verse 11. Came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, he said to Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. They will save thee alive. So I pray thee, Thou art my, say I pray thee that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Culture of Egypt was this. You see a beautiful woman, take her. 
seize her. And if she's got a husband, kill him. So who is it that does these things in Egypt? Apparently it's the government. Imagine that. Verse 14, it came to pass when Abraham was come to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld a woman that she was very fair. Abraham believes his wife is beautiful, and lo and behold, so do other people. They think the same thing. As Abraham crosses the border and comes into Egypt, people know that he's got a beautiful woman traveling with him. Just a side note at this, uh, Sarah at this time was 66 years old. Now, when I do counseling with the young couples before they're married, I always say, I want you to take a real good look at each other. Do you enjoy what you see? Is she beautiful? And is he handsome? And if so, and they usually always nod yes, and if so, I'm here to tell you, they're not going to look like that forever. <laughs> I always say, if my wife knew I was going to look like this, she would have run the other way. Beauty fades away. Sarah is 66 years old. And the Egyptians think she's a raving beauty. Well, I'm sure she was. Abraham thought so. But I guess it's not always good when other people think your wife is beautiful. Not in this case. But here, the culture takes over. Verse 15. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her, commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Who did it? The princes. The royal family. That would be the government. What did they do? To gain political favor, they took Sarah and gave her to the king to add to his harem. He collects beautiful women. And so, if you want to gain political power and influence, turn over to him any beautiful woman you can find. You see, Abraham was right. The culture was bad. Women were a commodity. If there seems to be a problem when you take the woman, pay off the family. That's exactly what they did. Verse 16, he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. Livestock and servants. Pharaoh's got plenty to spare of all those things. So pay off Sarah's brother. And you can seize his sister for a wife. After all, that's what Abraham told her to say. So here's the question. Who's wrong? Pharaoh and his government who seize women for the harem? Or Abraham, who told a lie to protect his own life. Well, they're both wrong. The culture's all messed up. Beautiful women are seized and given to Pharaoh for political influence. 
so that Pharaoh in his pride can say, I own the most beautiful women in the world. But Abraham is also wrong. He told a lie. He said Sarah was his sister to protect himself. And in so doing, he lost her. She's gone. Is it strange that a man who is known for his faith didn't trust God to keep his wife and himself safe, even in a hostile culture. Yes, it seems strange and out of character. It shows us something. Abraham's not perfect. huh? So neither are we, right? But what are you doing to survive our hostile culture. Learn from Abraham that first and foremost, we must have faith in God and cling to it in order to survive in this hostile culture all around us. We cannot compromise our faith to appease the culture. Abraham did and got himself in a real jam. Can you imagine in your mind what a shock it must have been as he looks off in the distance and here comes flocks of animals, all sorts of livestock and servants coming up to his camp and then see Sarah carried away. Now what? I'm sure he prayed to God, help me. They've taken my Sarah. Help me. What do I do? Help me. My friends, here is a wonderful message for you and for me right now today. God is faithful when we are not. Verse 17. The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife doesn't say exactly what happened, but this is clear. Suddenly, everybody in Pharaoh's house, including Pharaoh, became deathly ill. And when sickness and disease absolutely took over in Pharaoh's house, somehow they figured out what happened. I think maybe Sarah finally told the truth. Said, that was my husband. Verse 18, Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she's my sister? So I might have taken her to meet a wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her, go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. They sent him away and his wife and all that he had. I'm sure Abraham had a reputation for being what they would have called a priest, a godly man, always building altars, always saying prayers. And Egyptians decided, when they found out what really happened, that one beautiful woman is not worth getting sick and dying over, so send her back and tell Abraham, you can keep the livestock, you can keep the servants, 
set us free from these plagues. And one more thing while you're at it. Leave town. Get out of here. Get out of Egypt. And so it was Abraham learned the hard way that Egypt with its counterculture was no place for him to be. Yes, there is food in Egypt, but the sinful way of life is too costly. My friends, you and I must cling to our faith. God can help us in ways that we never imagined. I'm sure Abraham was completely baffled when they saw him carry his beautiful Sarah away. But God knew what to do, didn't he? And we are all baffled by this world, and by this culture, and the confusion that it brings, and we don't know how to handle it. But let me assure you again, God knows what to do. Amen. If we look back to chapter 11, there's one fact here. There's a whole list of names and ages, one after the other, just names and ages for 10 generations given. But in chapter 11, verse 30, there's one extra fact. Sarah was barren. She had no child. That was a fact that Abraham was very clear about. And he loved that beautiful woman. But they had no children. In chapter 12 the promises in verse 2. I will make of thee Abraham a great nation. Abraham God's promise. Had a promise. I'm going to make a great nation out of you that means your beautiful wife who is now 66 years old and has not been able to have children your beautiful wife and you abraham will bring into being a great nation abraham you long for children with your beautiful wife the promise is true you will have it when abraham heard that promise must have thrilled him down deep inside my beautiful wife and I will have a trial. Naturally, Abraham loved his beautiful wife. But more than that, he loved God. And the Bible says something to us. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. My friends, I encourage you today to be delighted in God. He is faithful even when we are not. So enjoy God. He'll give you the desires of your heart if you do. Stand true to him in a hostile culture. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these things that teach us that it has ever been so in this world that we live in hostile places. But if we will trust in you with all our heart, that you can help us and bring us through in ways we haven't yet imagined. And so today we put our faith in you and our confidence in you. We have a boundless confidence that God 
will clearly show us what to do if we'll trust him. He will lead us through all situations, trials and troubles. He will get us through. So we trust in you with all our heart today. I ask you to build our faith that we might live strong for you in this dark world. Bless us, we pray, as we do those things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn book, if you will, to page number 300, standing as we sing. Page number 300, it is well with my soul. Trust it is this morning. Page 300, it is well with my soul. Page 300.
said? Amen. Yes, Levi, to close in a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you today. We know, like Abraham, we need stronger faith. We need to be able to live in the culture that we are in and tell the truth of the things that we believe. Tell the truth and stand for what is right, what is good, and what you have called us to do. Help us to have the strength to live, to go on, to do what you call us to do. Help us to have the faith to believe that you can take care of us despite how difficult the circumstances seem. Give us that strength this week and in the upcoming weeks. Bring us back and give us more strength. Feed us in ways that we need, Lord. We thank you so much for what you've done for us. In your name we pray.